Hello, everybody. Pod BN Election Edition 2021 with our final Bloomington candidate. It has been a long road. Before I thank Little Beaver Brewery, I just want to thank all of you who have been so supportive of what we are doing. We have received many, many wonderful compliments from people, so much encouragement, and uh, we really appreciate it. It takes a lot of time and effort to put this on and many hours to do it, but it is important, and to know that this is important to all of you is really motivational. So if this is the last one that you listen to, thank you for listening so far. And before we bring on Willie Holton Halbert, went to talk about Little Beaver Brewery. Thank you, Little Beaver Brewery, for your sponsorship. Thank you for your beers. Thank you for your tasty food. Thank you for your patio. Thank you for selling beer all over Bloomington Normal and all over Illinois. Thank you for showing us what can happen if someone has an idea and pursues it and builds something out of it that helps other people like us. All right. We are joined by Willie Holton Halbert, uh, candidate for City of Bloomington Ward 3. Willie, welcome to PodBN. Thank you. It's an honor to be here today. Thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, start off just uh, Ward 3. So first explain where Ward 3 is in the City of Bloomington. It's primarily on the east side of town. Uh, it goes as far over to Oakland, to GE Road, to Hawthorne area. It's just kind of like a nice majority and over to Oakland. So and I actually live on Sheffield Drive. So I'm kind of in the middle of that. Very good. Very good. Tell us just a little bit about you, Willie. Uh, you know, what's your background and mm-hmm. what, what convinced you to decide to run for city council? Well, um, my background actually came to Bloomington back in 1972. I went to Illinois State University. I got my degree in criminal justice uh, and I met the man of my dreams and we got married and we loved the town so much we decided to live here. And I actually worked for uh, State Farm for five years where I worked in service and systems uh, in management. And then I went to work with, in my degree, criminal justice for the prison system, worked at Pontiac uh, Correctional Center, at Logan Correctional Center. And then I worked for the entire state uh, from Southern to Central Illinois, where I was over a supervised assistant superintendent for the entire state for parole, where I would manage the budget, implement and develop programming, uh, I was called in for hiring or if there was a trouble or problem in a particular area, they called me in to help resolve those things. So I have extensive management skills, but also since I've been living in Bloomington for over 40 years, I was just taking an active role to try to help make a difference in our community. Uh, I enjoy working with people. Uh, I enjoy helping and serving and really trying to just do things that will make our community a better community. I actually served on the Bloomington Human Relations Commission for 12 years. Uh, I was one of the individuals that was an advocate for sexual orientation uh, ordinance. Originally, it did not pass, but we stayed on that. I was an advocate for that, and we got it passed, and it's still in existence today. So on, on difficult issues that people tend to want to back off from, I don't have an issue with addressing those things. I also was one of the original founders of the uh, Not In Our Town uh, organization, a grassroots organization that started back in 1996 around that area. Uh, in addition, I'm currently the second vice president for the uh, Bloomington Normal branch of the NAACP. 
I'm on the uh, Mid-Line Credit Union. I volunteer for the food bank uh, once, the, once the pandemic hit and there was such a great need uh, for people to get food. I volunteered to help out uh, packaging bags for them to pass out. So, uh, and I'm a 4-H junior leader uh, where I help, I volunteer with that. So as you can see, I'm kind of across the board in volunteering and assisting people. And I actually, last year, I received about three or four awards for uh, the YWCA Women of the, uh, uh, Women of the Year, I guess the Distinguished Woman for Community Service uh, with them. And then uh, Woman uh, Professional, uh, I received an award from them. And then Channel 25, uh, Women in Leadership. And all because I do what I do every day. I volunteer, I help. And I actually got a call, uh, filing date, the ending of that filing date was for Monday for uh, City Council. And someone called me and said, would you consider running? And then I got a text. You really need to think about that. And I really never even thought about running for city council. But after they shared that with me, I've always shared with everyone, we need to be engaged in our community to help make a difference. And what better way than have a seat at the table where decisions are being made? And that's what made me and prompt me to go ahead and uh, file and to run for uh, Bloomington City Council Ward 3. And I've lived in Ward 3 for th over 30 years. Oh, well, certainly a, a diverse and busy background. You seem like a very <laughs> busy person, and I appreciate the service you give to the community up to this point. So that, that's pretty awesome. Um, talk to me about Ward 3 and what are some of the issues or that you're hearing as you're campaigning that residents in Ward 3 are concerned about? Uh, the number one concern that I got from people was they were just in awe that I was going door to door or that one of the things I started doing is having listening circles. And that's where I invite the people from Ward 3 to dial into Zoom and to have them share what their concerns, what their issues are. And then uh, we had one a few weeks ago and the concerns that they had, I addressed those concerns. And within 20, 40, 48 hours, I had already called them back. And I also posted on my website at electhalbert.com where they, other people can go in and see what the questions were and what my responses. I definitely believe in transparency so people can know exactly where I stand. And my message is the same no matter what group of people I'm talking to. So uh, I also have another uh, listening circle that will be coming up, and that will be on March the 19th. So on a Friday at 6 p.m. on my website, just click on listening circle at 6, and they can actually come in and ask questions. But the particular issues that they did share, uh, besides uh, one person, well, a number of people shared with me that they felt like, Whenever I would make a concern known, I would tell that person, and then it just fell into this deep hole, never to be heard of again. They didn't get a response back. So that's one thing is being responsive to the people within Ward 3. Uh, the second thing was COVID-19. A lot of people, that is a major issue. Uh, people are concerned with you know, being able to feed their family. Many people have gotten laid off, or they have lost their jobs, or their hours have been reduced. And People even here on the east side are worrying about, do I feed my family or do I pay for medical bills? So that's a big issue. And now we're even trying to get their vaccination shot. You know, there's these long lines. Uh, you try to get on, on site. You're having to go in and 
go in every hour trying to get your name on a list. It says it's full, it's full. They call the number, then they get on this long wait list. Uh, and the city can take a more active role with the county and work together to help implement and to put some procedures in place. So that was a major issue. And then, of course, we talk about infrastructure, our roads and our streets. Uh, many times that has been pushed off to the side, but we're encouraging to really look at fixing and repairing our streets in our neighborhoods. And of course, public safety is a concern also that we've shared with individuals that we have to make sure our people are secure and safe. And I'm an advocate for public safety. What I get people to think about, let's reimagine what it can look like. Why not provide more support to our police and our firefighters? I actually had a chance to tour of uh, one of the stations, station three, which is not far from where I live. And they gave me a tour of the facilities, showed me how everything operated. And I was so proud of our firefighters. But what, one of the things, a big concern is with, with COVID-19, the pandemic, there is a lot of mental health issues that are rising even more so. People are having a hard time to cope with what's going on. So instead of those 911 calls going directly to the police, why not either co-partner with the police or direct those calls to the mental health? And there are programs in Oregon, for example, called Kahoot, that they're doing that. They got special grant monies that became available to them. And it's, it's taking 20% of those calls. Just imagine if we were 20% less calls and the firefighters and the police officers can perhaps go out there and really do their jobs that they're being paid to do, to protect and to serve. They put their lives on the line every single day. And I am proud of them, of the service that they do. I do believe we need to uh, continue to work on accountability, transparency, so the community knows what all is being, what all is going on. So it's all about us engaging and working together and being progressive in how we look at things. You know, because it was done this way all the time, doesn't mean we have to keep doing it that way, right? For sure. So uh, w let's break up some of the things you said there. The first thing I, I heard was communication. You said people that have questions or concerns just don't know where, who to turn to or where to turn. Um, mm -hmm. What are some ways you can improve that um, while on city council? You can improve that by allowing an open door policy where they know that they can contact you day or night, wherever the issues may be. And then many times direct them to resources that's here that they may not even know about. Like for the roads, mybloomington.app, you know, report where the roads are bad. And actually to really pursue what the issues are, the if we have a concern regarding the roads and you've got these huge potholes, that destroys people's cars, their tires. You know, it, it is a major issue. When you think of public safety, it extends your, your street lights, you know, making sure that when we had that big storm and all the trees, uh, a huge amount of tree branches, you drove through town, you saw all these branches. So being able to give them a line of direct communication, being accessible, also having regular listening circles where they're engaged and they're involved. Uh, then what happens is people are invested in their community. They see a need to be a part of it. And not, they don't say, well, it don't matter. I don't care. You know, we want people to care. I want to know what you have to say. It don't mean that I'm going to always agree with everything you say. I'm not going to sit here and tell anyone that. But you, you will have a listening ear and I will be open to your ideas and suggestions. And what normally happens when you get an idea, 
a new idea from that idea evolves. And then we come up with something for our community that will help us be a better community together, working together. So do you feel that some of that is lacking in, in, in Bloomington as whole, but in Ward 3 now, and, I, and I'm asking um, because the current alderman of Ward 3 is running for mayor. So I think that's um, appropriate to ask if you think that he's done a good job um, as far as communicating to his ward. And, and I mean, he's been on council now for, I think, 10 years. So it is. Right. Yeah. And I know Maboka, uh, Maboka, and I have respect for him as uh, work that he has done, the service he has provided for over 10 years, that is not to be taken lightly. So I do respect the work that he has done. Uh, I cannot say uh, anything negative about him because that's not who I am. I don't focus on people's negativity. I focus on what they do well. And that the things that he has brought forth suggestions uh, regarding the Juneteenth celebrations and some other items, you know, he and I have actually kind of worked on some of those things. So, but however, I do believe that, you know, uh, people first coalition, we have an excellent candidate for, for mayor and that's Jackie Gunnerson. And she is genuinely a person that cares about people. And she has proven that by the things that she has done and innovative uh, caring and working with different uh, with PATH and different organizations and making a difference within our community. So if you ask me who my vote would be for, it would be for Jackie Governance, because you know she's a part of the coalition, People First Coalition, and we have a great team. We're, we're progressive. We work so well together, and I can just see us all on the city council and mayor. But uh, again, I, I, my hat goes off to Maboka for the work that he has done, and I don't take anything away from him. Hey, Willie, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the People's First Coalition because this has been an issue or something I've been having a little bit of internal debate on uh, for a okay. while. Um, so as, as you know, and as many listeners might be aware, the races uh, for the municipal are, are nonpartisan, right? You're not declaring Correct. Democrat, and I Republican. Like that. Yes. Yeah. And, and so then... Um, I, I think, and I could be wrong, but I think the reason for that was to try to keep, you know, a, a traditional party sort of system mm-hmm. that, that you get even at county government or state level and, and up to keep, you know, the, the party apparatus, if you will, out. Because the right. thinking and philosophy is um, at the municipal, at the local level, like you're, you're talking sewers and roads and, you know, it's getting things done, right? It's not philosophy. Absolutely. Club. Um, but so then I, I the, uh, coalition like people's first coalition how is that different than and and i don't mean like structurally i I get that it's you know not a Mm -hmm. traditional party but to me that feels like when people start doing that you know if the chamber ran a coalition ticket for or Mm -hmm. a caucus ticket or or other groups like that to me that kind of feels like you're getting back into the party stuff Mm -hmm. and so then i start just ask kind of philosophically should we just Okay, open it back up and you can have Democrats, Republicans, progressive, people first, uh, all these different groups. But see, I beg beg to differ on that because I don't see it as another party. I truly don't. When I decided to run, I ran as Willie Houghton Halbert. I was not a part of People First Coalition. I received a call because they looked at what my position was and it mirrored some of their same ideas. We each are individual who believe in people first. 
And when they when when I listened to what they all had to share, I was like, aha, it was like an aha moment. People who really care about making a difference. So it's not when, when someone asks, now are you a Democrat or Republican? The first thing I say to them, this is a nonpartisan race. Don't look at me as a party. Look at me on what I bring to the table, my extensive management skills, my extensive work within the community, what I have actually done to make a difference. It's not something I'm just coming Johnny on the spot and saying, oh, now I want to get elected into office. I'm someone that have lived it and have done it and genuinely care about people. And that's why I like People First Coalition because it's individual, in, in, actually individual persons who, who mirror some of these same ideas. So if I see my neighbor say, hey, let's, uh, let's have a block party. Let's, let's, let's bring everybody together. And uh, if you got anything you want to sell, let's all put it out to sell at the same time. It's not a part, I mean, it's not a party. It's people who have like minds that think alike that say, if you go on this day, we're gonna put everything out. So what we're saying, here are four individuals with like ideas, like concepts, who genuinely care about people. We don't have deep pockets. We're not like other candidates that might be uh, got all these dollars. We don't have that. We're, we're, we're going door to door, like literally almost every single day, asking people, hey, what are your concerns? We're asking them, what are the issues that you have? And these are some ideas that we have, how we can help resolve some of those things. And that's what people are loving. We're getting people that who have never really even wanted to be a part of, you know, April, usually you don't get a lot of people out to vote. Well, we're hoping to change that. We're hoping to get people excited about the voting process and that you do matter. Your vote counts. So get out there and vote, you know, care about your community, be engaged. It does make a difference. And guess what? If you got involved and then if you get involved, just imagine what our community could really look like. They say Bloomington was the, one of the happiest cities, right? In the in out of date, out of all the cities that they checked. We were hot. But guess what? There are some people who who are less fortunate. They don't have the degrees, they don't have the all the other things that would help them to the income, the status quo. When you go to food banks, you see this long line of people. These are people that got issues and concern. And what I really care about, I care that we all care about each other, that we believe in equity for all. That's that's what it's all about. So I don't believe in, when someone asks me, no, I'm not, I'm not, it doesn't matter whether you're Republican or Democrat, what you should be asking me is what's the issue? Am I going to address the issue? Can you see me on the city council when you have an issue or concern that it's going to be addressed? So, so you prompted the question and I'll ask you. So what's the issue day one when, you, when you're in there? Uh, what, what's the first kind of priority, first thing you want to tackle if you're elected? Hands down, one of the first priorities is the COVID-19 pandemic. We got to address that, you know, and we're we're getting better at it. But just even like we, the, the city has a certain amount of funding that they have to give out to people, to small businesses that are hurting. Small businesses are hurting really bad right now. Well, guess what? There's funding that's available for them right now. But you have so many that are on, in holding status because of paperwork, the red paperwork. But we need to help to it to expedite this, to address those needs. We need to, we need to really work at changing our system on how we're getting people vaccinated. Take the vaccination to the people. Recently, we had a vaccination where uh, 
uh, at Arc Center right now, they're doing vaccinations. That's great. It's going out to the community. A couple of weekends ago, we had at Mount Pisgah on the west side of town, they did over 200 vaccinations because we know there's a disparity with the people that's getting vaccinated. Most people don't know the stats, but if you go into the uh, state of Illinois and you, they have it broken down and you see that in Bloomington, normal, we have about 8% minority Blacks in our community. Well, guess what? We're only 3% of the vaccination. Why is that? So it's really addressing the issues when you have elders that's trying their best to get online to get their shot and they're checking every hour on the hour and it says full, appointment full, appointment full. Well, guess what? They're still uncovered. So they want to get that. So making sure, you know, monies that we can get to give to small businesses to help them not only just survive, but strive, actually do well with their business. We can do that. And that's the issue that it affects everybody. Everybody home is impacted by this COVID-19. And when we all work together on that, that would be that would be my number one issue. My number two issue would be public safety. So one of the other things you mentioned uh, was infrastructure. And being, mm-hmm. that, being that your ward is on the east side, I thought this would be a good question for you. Because currently the city of Bloomington distributes their funds for street repair equally per ward. And I think it's uh, fair to say that the needs aren't necessarily equal per ward. Some of the areas of our community that are older, historic, have higher needs than those built on the east side, such as Ward 3 and others. So how, how do you explain when you, once you get on city council to find that balance between making sure that your ward is taken care of, uh, but also communicating that they might, that it might be better for the city as a whole to give up some of that money that would come to ward three and have it go to some of the more historic or older neighborhoods. I believe by getting input from the people in the community on where the main streets and there are areas of concern and looking at those and based on that prioritize where the need is. You know, uh, there are certain areas in on the east side where the roads are really bad. You know, where I just got through driving today to go do uh, a, a shoot. And when on my way going to there, there were holes where you have to slow down. If you're not, if you're not careful, you can tear up your tires. And so I think you have that issue everywhere but it's prioritizing the greatest need and you address that greatest need, wherever that location might be. And then you just come right down the line. And that's why we really strongly advocate for people to use that app, mybloomington.app, and then um, let, let us know what streets are in bad need of repair. And then we address those. So, so what I'm saying is you prioritize the need and you, and you let the community know that we want we want to make sure that all of our streets of equality. Number one, if our city hadn't wait, waited so long and deferred monies to that area, we have, you realize we have a surplus, surplus in our budget, correct? Our city has a surplus. That is a good thing, but why not use some of those monies to fix these streets? You know, if you got a surplus, you can't tell me we don't have the money to do it. The monies are there. Let's implement. Let's Let's sit down at the table, look at the different areas that, that we have needs for, prioritize, and then address those issues and those needs. And then the people are going to be happy. You fix their streets, they're going to feel good. Okay? That's so, a good thing. So would you be 
am I here? I just want to make sure I'm hearing you correctly. So would you be okay Mm -hmm. with, with advocating to take, if the need was there in, I'm just going to pick an area of town and and say like the West side of Bloomington, if their need was higher than ward three, if ward six's need was higher than ward three's on money, you would, you would advocate to take some of ward three's infrastructure money and present it in ward six. No, what I'm really advocating for is looking at ways to pull monies from other areas to go to the west side. Why do we always have to help one or the other? Why can't we reimagine the way we think and process things? We can take up, I don't want Ward 3 to go without. You know, that wouldn't be fair to me. Nor do I want on the west side or the north side or the south side to go without. What I'm saying is areas that need to be fixed, we can find the resources. We have a surplus. Why would I take money from the east side to give to the west side when we have money right there already that we can pull right here from this bank and put on the west side, have for the east side, south, where everyone needs can be met? See, I believe that can be done. I believe if we're progressive in how we think about how we do, instead of so many times, it's either this or that. I don't believe that. I think outside of that box. I'm saying we can do this, that, and we can make our community a better place for everyone to live. I don't want one population to suffer because we're giving it to somebody else. I'm saying let's levy that to where everybody's being, needs are being met and use some of the monies that we have in surplus to meet some of those needs. So it, there's one of the one of the issues uh, that comes up when it comes to this is obviously funding and, and how how do you fund some of the different needs? How do, how do we pay for stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, and you're you're identifying the surplus. And, and if I'm hearing you right, you're basically saying so instead of creating new funding streams or, or resource, you know, taxes, et cetera, you want to use that existing surplus money and throw extra money on, yeah, on top of the extra. formula. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying deplete, okay? I'm saying mm-hmm. take some of that money and utilize that. But it's kind of mm-hmm. like when, when you're looking at a pie, you have that whole pie and you cut it in different segments. So you look at funding available. What piece are we going to cut for here? What piece? Where the, Where's the greatest needs? And then that's where you would put that money in. And then you also look at what grant monies are available. There are a lot of grant monies that, you know, we, we just got a large amount of money that, is, uh, that we've received for uh, our, our uh, uh, transportation. So just like we got that grant, we can apply for other grants. So it's being, it's reimagining and thinking how can we resolve our issues and look outside the box and also get community involved. Ask our community, what do you think? What are your suggestions? What's your input? A a prime example, let me share this. When we bring forth our budget for the year, when the city brings their budget, when it comes to the people, it comes to us like now in March, right? The process starts way back in September, October. Why would you not have the people's voice at the beginning of the process. Why do you wait to the end when it's a rubber stamp and it's already done? So let's get the people involved at the beginning when it's going to your different departments to get their feedback and, and asking them, what do you need? And you know what how it's going to be allocated. This is where the people need to be involved. Get their input. Where do they see the need to be? And then those recommendations from the people and the departments, and we all look at that, 
and then we find where it best works for our community. You see the difference? It's the same, you, you're dealing with the same elements, but you're shifting where you're getting that um, input from the people. Move them first. Remember people first. If we keep that concept in our minds, in our spirit, it genuinely makes a difference. When we engage our community in every aspect of what we do prior to, when you engage the business, the businesses, small businesses within our community, before you make decisions about them, it makes a difference. They're invested in the process. That's what I believe. So, so I was going to, I was going to, on the funding specifically, um, you know, I, I think I've heard, uh, I, I think I've heard an opponent in your race say something about um, using surplus and giving that back or, or reducing taxes or reducing some of those fees, re- taking that approach as opposed to using that money and, and spending it someplace. Curious as to where you're at on that. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad you asked that question because the nice thing to say is reduce taxes because everybody want to hear that, right? What I happen to say is, instead of talking about reduced taxes, why not look at reallocating those tax dollars? Where is that money going to? Because if you look at the, if you look at our budget for the city, a very small amount of the taxes goes to the city. That's what a lot of people don't know. Very small amount that actually goes to the city. And where we decide, where the city decides to put that tax money, if people are dissatisfied, you know why? Because they don't see where their money is going. They feel like they, they're paying all these taxes uh, for their home, for different things, but they're not seeing anything return. If they saw the returns, if they saw their streets being repaired, the street lights, they, if they see uh, the services for the people, the parks, the schools, investing in our children, if they saw that, then they wouldn't have a problem with paying those taxes. So instead of me saying, we're going to slash taxes, I'm giving you the truth. I'm telling you, and I I tell people, I'm not really, I'm not running against my opponent. I'm running for the people in Ward 3, for the people of our community. That's where my focus is at, is what are the needs of the people? And sometimes it's a process of making people aware where monies are going. For example, if my taxes go up on my house, that's not necessarily a bad thing. What that actually says is that, guess what? My value in my home has improved. So if I decide to sell that house, then I will get more, more monies for my house. So sometime explaining that process, I've had people say, I'm going to contact the city and get my taxes lower. And then when I tell them for the house, I say, you realize if you get the taxes lower for your house payment, for your house or taxes lowered, then when you get ready to sell it, your value of your home will be worth less. Then guess what they say? Because I, I, you know, I was a realtor, so I, I know this. They say, I don't want to do that. Oh, no, no, I don't want to do that. So it's about providing information to people and allowing them to make that decision and see that, no, that's not really what I want. So people may say they want lower taxes. In reality, they want to see their taxes being utilized. They want to see where that money is going. So, Willie, we've we've hit the uh, halfway point or a little bit past the halfway point, actually. And, and we normally do a lightning round here. So okay. looking for I'm going to throw out some topics, just looking for the first thing that pops in your mind, you know, kind of like a three word short, short, you know, not long sentences, but just a 
three words, to the point. short, All right. quick and dirty. So um, if you're ready, we'll, we'll go to the first topic, which is downtown Bloomington. Development. Connect Transit. ADA Accessibility. O'Neill Pool. A great thing. Bloomington Public Library. Resources for our children. Build a better world for our kids. Constitution Trail. A great place for family. Economic development. Improve with small businesses. Resources. And then the town of normal. Town of normal working together. All right, Willie. So we're, we're probably going to touch on a few of those here in a little bit, but we talked a little bit about coronavirus and COVID um, a little bit, but let's talk about how you think the city has done thus far. We've had a, we've been a year into this. What are some things you think the city's done really well in response to COVID? And what are some things you think in retrospect they could have done differently? Really well is the grant monies that they have been able to receive to submit and get. That's excellent. Where work is needed is actually implementation, getting that money to the people, to your biz, small businesses. There's over, at least last time I checked, it was over $100,000 there. And uh, I believe it was about 32 that actually received money. And there's, there is a large, there's a larger number they're waiting to get funding to streamline that process where it's accessible to the people and the businesses. So what, what, what's it look like going forward over the next 12 to 18 months? How, what, what can the city of Bloomington do to help with the relief effort after, uh, as we start to hopefully get out of this uh, quarantine COVID cycle that we've been in for a year? It would look wonderful if we engage the people within this community, getting them involved in the process uh, streamlining, the, have the city work with the county and streamline the process as far as taking appointments for vaccination shots and uh, assisting with getting more volunteers going out into community. Uh, I helped with the uh, Wayman Amen Church, uh, the NWCP, when we did the uh, we did the uh, vaccination over at Mount Pisgah with over 200 people were able to get their vaccination shot. Those are people who have been waiting and waiting and could not get it. But by the by the community saying, hey, we have a place you can use. You can use our place. Hey, I can volunteer to help make the uh, uh, the reservation for everyone. I can call them, let them know in their appointment. And they were able to do that. So that took a burden off the McLean County Health Department and the people were engaged and they were so happy. I worked there for several hours and everyone, the majority of people, everything that came out their mouth, I'm so happy that you all are doing that. Thank you for caring about us. So the city is very promising if we're being progressive in how we handle this. And then instead of saying, this is just a McLean County Health Department problem. It's not, it's our community. So if it's the community, let's work together and help effect that change to where we can move forward, where small businesses are not waiting to get a response back or to get the funding to help them with their business because they need the money now. Willie, I, I appreciate your, your very uh, consistently, you know, you're, you're saying people first and I'm hearing that passion come from you, right? That, that that's yeah, where your, I believe your focus in that. is. I live my, um, I've actually lived my life with that principle. So I uh, want to want to turn away from the people a little bit because I feel like you've given a lot of 
of uh, answers and, and discussion dialogue around that. And turning to uh, businesses specifically, okay. um, as you as you're aware, you know one of the big controversies with COVID this last year has been some of the um, businesses that chose to stay open or you know kind of go a different path, and then how uh, the mayor's uh, the liquor commission uh, used fines. Um, towards some of those businesses. Just curious as to your thoughts on that approach. Is that appropriate? Should we be doing that? Should we not? Um, or is there a different path that we should be uh, taking towards businesses? The path that should be taken toward businesses is getting the businesses involved, being proactive instead of reactive. Getting them involved in what the need is as far as what the health regulations are uh, and allowing them to know that, okay, we're going to have to do this and here's some resources that we can help you while your doors are closed. You provide them with the funding, with the monies that can help offset what they're experiencing. So if you engage them before you say, everybody, your doors have to be closed. Okay. Because it's a number one, you want people to be safe. You want the people who work at that business safe. So sometimes it's about making them aware of what's at stake and also including them in that process. Okay, what are your ideas? We can't have the, we can't have it open. So what do you suggest on ways that we can do that? So if they are part of that process, that can help lessen their feeling like you don't get me. You don't know I got to feed my family and all these other people family who are working for me. You know, I feel bad that these people here, I can't pay them. Okay, well, we have some funding over here that we can kind of help offset some of that. We, make, we might can't pay their full salary, but we can do something to help offset that. But we need you to work with us while your business is closed to be able to do A, B, and C. So I just think if they had been a little bit more proactive instead of reactive, the response would have been different. So let's talk about some of those things in the lightning round uh, that we had touched on, because uh, I want to make sure we get to a few topics that we've discussed with other candidates. Uh, the, okay. first one, the first one that's probably prominent, uh, mainly to Bloomington residents more now is Connect Transit because of that downtown transfer center that they just announced is going to be, um, hopefully, as long as uh, you know acquisition of the site's completed at the old Panagraph site. Panagraph, yes. Uh, so what are your thoughts on how Connect Transit has ran itself as an organization uh, in the past? What, what can they do differently? And then uh, going to specific to the transfer center for you. Um, are you happy with that site? Um, and, and what challenges do you think lie ahead? Well, one of the biggest issues with the transit is kind of double fold on several areas. Number one is making it, making sure everything is ADA accessible for uh, the population. Um, over the past year or so, there were a lot of uh, individuals that had different challenges that came to the city with complaints and issues that were a concern. And uh, so we should address those. We should look at any individual, they live within our community, they should be a part of that process. So making sure that we have ADA accessibility, just literally doing a walkthrough and actually having some individual with challenges be a part of that process. As I shared before, getting them involved before you, as you're developing and you're building, because that is an older building. So you automatically, you when you walk into it, you're going to have some challenges with ADA, right? 
because it is an older building. So those issues would need to be addressed and concerned. Also, the hours that the transit actually operates, you know, and, and where the stops are, you know, making sure that we're uh, engaging our entire community needs to make sure that they're stopping at the right locations for everyone. You know, they're the one, the transit, uh, they're the ones that connect is the one to get the large amount of funding that they receive, millions of dollars. I want to say, I hate to misquote it, but I believe it was 30 million. It's, so, it's, it's a large amount, which is a lot of money to make sure we, we get it right. Let's get it right this time around. Let's make sure that we have services. And being innovative, you can also look at the space allocation for having space for uh, individuals. There are uh, need uh, someplace, a warming place for people who don't have anywhere to stay or anywhere to live. There is hopefully when they look at that layout, look at how efficient it can be to not only service our transit, but also provide a service for the community, for people who might be out in the cold when the weather's below zero. You know, what can we do to offer additional services? So looking at it from a bigger lens and being able to address the needs of our community. But the ADA would be my number one thing that we need to consider. Uh, the people that are going to be riding, making sure the hours, you know, our hours, I believe, too, we need to look at from what time they're going to operate from and what time they, they close that to be more accessible to the people. And you get that by talking to the I know uh, you all say that you say a lot about the people. It's because it is about the people. And it's hard for me to have a dialogue about businesses, about, uh, you know, uh, public safety or any topic, economic development, without involving the people that do the work. If I'm doing something with economic development, I want to talk to business owners. I want to find out what are your issues? What are the problems that you're dealing with? How can we help you expand your business? That, to me, is good city government. So, Willie, I was, I was going to change the topic uh, to another issue from lightning round unless uh, Justin wants to hit another Connect Transit. I don't want to leave it too early. Well, I honestly, I was, I was going to kind of tie Connect Transit to economic development. So I don't know if economic development is your next one or not. Go for it. Do it. <laughs> um, okay. Because, because I wanted to, I mean, the transfer center is a connect transit thing, right? That's their, their board of trustees is what's driving that. They have got federal and state funding for that. The city really hasn't had a large role in that yet. However, I think there's opportunity for the city of Bloomington to partner with connect transit to make this transfer center an economic driver for downtown. Um, if they found a way to, you mentioned warming centers, and I'm, I'm actually in favor of that, public restrooms, all that stuff I'm in favor of, but there's also an opportunity to connect it with either private businesses or something else that can drive people downtown um, to want to be there. How, how big of a role do you think the city of Bloomington should play to partner with Connect Transit in doing something like that, creating, I don't know, office space, retail space, restaurant space, something like that inside of this transfer center? I think it's uh, uh, not, I don't think it would be a great idea. We need more of that. We need more uh, dialogue with uh, small businesses, with the city uh, and making it where it's favorable to them to have a business there and to uh, look at making it, to get people there, you want it to be diverse. You want to include a variety of different businesses and private business where they can come in and service the community. And uh, 
the community will be attracted to that. We know that the people have been geared away from malls, unfortunately, because of all the online. And, you know, we have to reimagine these locations to be able to make it more attractive to not only to the people in the community to be able to go there because to get a business there, they want to say, well, if I bring my business here, what's going to drive the people here? What's going to get the people into my business if I'm downtown? So that means looking at your, your, your roads, your streets, accessibility. You want to make sure it's, you're not just looking at one piece of the pie because what tends to happen when you do that, then you, you actually eliminate a whole group of people that will not get service. So if you want the people to come there, then you want to promote the different businesses, the small businesses, have some enhancements for them, for them to want to be there. But if we, the city, promote that and really do a big PR thing with it, we can get more businesses involved. But at the same time, you got to look at your parking, you know, your roads, the streets to make sure it's accessible for people. What what if, if I'm a business owner and what you do is you pull together a group of business leaders in your community, existing businesses that we have, and you ask them, what are the things, what will it take for you to be here? So what, what about a partnership with the um, EDC or the Chamber of Commerce? Is, aren't they, why not lean on those that already have those relationships with businesses um, and then work with them instead of adding more you know, levels in the city of Bloomington? Well, in, in talking with the city coordinator, it don't mean the city has to do all the work, right? It means they delegate. So that means you pulled in your uh, chamber of commerce. You know, you pull in the people that do that kind of work, small business uh, development. You pull in those resources and you help make it happen. It don't mean you do the work, but you implement people that can get the work done. And that, to me, is a key piece of government is getting experts involved in the process to help make it work. Uh, when you look at, for example, businesses, you bring, you want, we want Bloomington to be the hub of Illinois, right? We want people to want to bring business here to Bloomington. Well, you do that by, you have it, you, you can have incentives, but the key piece with your incentive is make sure that you have in place in your contract that if you come here, yes, you'll get this incentive, but you need to not only, uh, uh, we want people to buy here, but we want them to build here. So instead of me bringing a business here and they don't go to California to bring workers in, the workers come from our labor force here. Utilize your labor people here. Invest back into our community. Use our people within Blooming to Normal. So that means you're hiring people, you hire veterans, you hire minorities. You do this by having this in the contract before they even get here, and that promotes our community. Well, Willie, it probably doesn't feel like it, but we're uh, basically out of time here. We've got our 50 minutes. Are you, are coming you, up. Are you serious? Yeah, the time flies when you're having God. fun. So I'm having um, fun. I'm enjoying this. Want, this want to make sure that if uh, if somebody wants to learn more about you uh, or help or donate mm -hmm. or you know volunteer, what's the best way that they can get in contact with you and your campaign? Okay. They can go to my website at electhalbert.com. And that's, I really encourage people in War 3 to do that on March 19th 
because we, we will be having that forum and I would love to hear more from them. That's my, that's my passion. I want to know what their concern, their issues and what their suggestions are. So that's one thing. They can, they can actually contact me directly. I don't have a problem with that. 287-1954. I'm here for the people. And then also we want to remind our listeners that, uh, you know, election day is coming up, but there's going to be early voting at the BCPA. Yes. Um, yes. So, so if people want to avoid, avoid lines or, you know, COVID concerns or just for the convenience matter. Right. Um, and also they can also write in ballots so they can contact the board of elections and tell them they want to write in ballot because I've talked to several people as I was walking around that had COVID-19. They didn't feel good about coming out because they didn't want to expose anyone else. You know, just being a good a good citizen, actually. And I share with them that they can actually request a write-in ballot as starting, I believe, March 12th, same as early voting. And why not get out and vote? Do it now. April 6th is usually one of the elections that a lot of people don't go out and vote. They really kind of, they're so kind of disenchanted with the whole process. And what I've tried to share with people, you can make a difference. People win an election by two votes, believe it or not. So your vote could be the one that counts. So get out there and vote. Well said. And and we can't uh, we can't wrap up without giving a big thanks to our sponsor, uh, Little Beaver. I know when we were off air talking before, uh, um, you, I, you're familiar with Little Beaver Brewery, or I, I've, I'm blanking. I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah that, but I've never that's, been that's there. What it was. Yeah, yeah, I've never yeah. been there. Well, Justin can tell you all about they, they got a ton of stuff going on. And Justin, I know you got the new hours and stuff. So yeah, not okay. trying to steal your thunder. No, you're good. So you've heard us talk about it uh, every single election edition episode. And if you haven't been out there yet, you you are missing out. It's Little Beaver Brewery. They're located at 5 Finance Drive in Bloomington. Okay. They have an amazing outdoor patio space. They just redid the inside. They have loft space. They have wait staff, great food, pizza, burgers. Ooh. It's kids friendly, 24 beers on tap. So check them out, especially on a nice day where you can sit on the patio. But even if it's not so nice, they just remodeled the inside too. So be sure to check them out and thank them for sponsoring so they have us. Real, do they have good burgers? That's what I want to know. Do they oh, have yeah. juicy burgers to bite into? I'll tell you what, Tyson says it's the top five burger he's ever had. Okay. So they're well, very good. I'll be going there within the next couple of weeks. I'll make it, put it on my agenda. All right. Open 11 to 9 every single day. So check out Little Beaver and thank them for sponsoring the podcast. All right. Thank you so much. And the, you say where, where are they located at? Five Finance Drive in Bloomington. Uh, so thanks again for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Willie. Right. Bye-bye.